Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Wonderful. Well, we started our series uh, last week um, called Oxygen, and we started uh, on this message uh, in the morning. Uh, I spoke on um, unblocking your prayer life, and there are three points that I spoke. I, I just want to remind those, uh, for the, uh, again, just to refresh your memory, and, and uh, if you weren't here last week, I, I spoke on three points on, on, on how to unblock your prayer life, and the first one was to exhale. To exhale is to get rid of the carbon dioxide. We spoke about how you can't inhale until you exhale. Um, the, the quality of your inhale is determined by the quality of your exhale. You have to breathe out carbon dioxide to get in oxygen. And carbon dioxide um, is, um, uh, is a... The word has escaped to me, but it's it's a suffocates you, uh, and so you've got to get rid of uh, this. Um, you've got to get rid of it out of your lungs to be able to breathe uh, oxygen, and, and oxygen is our sp- prayer life. And so you've got to breathe out. You've got to get rid of your hurts, your disappointments, your heartaches. You've got to re- get rid of those things that we pick up along the way continuously. There will always be those moments in your life. Yeah. There'll always be there. It's knowing how to get rid of them makes the quality of your life. Amen? And so you've got to learn how to exhale. The second one is you've got to get the right air mixture. Air mixture is critical for a healthy life. And and for a healthy prayer life, your air mixture is relationship first, intentional second. Relationship first, intentional second. Worship God. Praise God. Declare His name. Don't just come in with God, please give me. All right? Get your air mixture right. Worship Him first. Get the intentional prayer coming in second. And the last one is lung capacity. How deep can you, how, how much oxygen can you breathe in? Lung capacity is determined spiritually by how big your prayers are. If you want to breathe deeper, you have to take bigger breaths into your lungs. If you want to pray deeper, you've got to pray bigger prayers. You've got to get used to praying and believing and declaring. It's got to learn how to take those big statements and, and, and hold on to them and know that, the, that they are yours, that you're believing for a city. You know, you can say, oh, I'm believing for a city. I, we, I remember praying, walking up Union Street when we first moved into the city and I'm, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, I declare this is my city. And I was just a country boy from a small market town uh, on the south of England. I'm walking up Union Street. The city of Aberdeen was the biggest city, uh, you know, I'd ever lived in. I'd never lived in a city before. It's like, it's intimidating. But I had to learn at that moment, instantly, I had to learn how to take bigger breaths, how to dig deep on the inside and how to speak and, and speak out over a city. I had to learn how to do those. You've got to learn how to take deeper breaths and speak bigger prayers. Amen? So this week, I want to speak on how to find God, finding God in your prayer life. And, and um, the, there is a verse that's been rattling around on the inside of me. It's, been, it's just echoing in my brain. And it's Proverbs 25 and verse 2. It says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings 
is to search out a matter. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search out a matter. I have to confess, I expect most of you know, um, I'm sort of fairly impatient with things that if I know that somebody else knows where something is, why would I look for it? Why would I look for it if somebody else knows where it is? I, I, I get impatient for things that I, I want to be able to just find. And, and um, so that's why I always go, because there is always one person in the house who knows where everything is, and, and that person's name is called Mum, right? <laughs> or if that person's your wife, <laughs> then you don't call them Mum, but you call them their neighbour. Cheryl, Cheryl, where is? And, and Cheryl always knows. She knows supernaturally. It's a gift of motherhood <laughs> to just know where everything is. And, and, uh, and so she will say, have you looked? Why would I look? Why would I look for something? She knows where it is. Why waste any time? She knows where it is. Just tell me where it is. I'll go and get it. And uh, so, <laughs> so, and it, it irritates her, but you know, she's put up with it for 30 years. So, and, uh, <laughs> and, and that is, I think, in many ways, I think we kind of live our life like that. I, I, they say that men, in fact, this is not an issue for driving anymore because everyone's got their sat navs, but they say that men will never ask for directions, that driving, I, I know how to get there. I'm just going to drive. For, but I've never understood that because. If I'm driving somewhere and I don't know where to go, why would I waste my time trying to work it out? Just ask someone. I, I would drive down the road. Also, I remember in Turkey, um, we were in, on holiday in Turkey and uh, we had a map um, that didn't line up with the road that we were driving on. It was like, this is, this is weird. So we got another map and that map was different to this map and they were both different to the road. <laughs> And, uh, and it was kind of like, it was like, where is this? And so then we would stop and ask. There were all these old ladies sitting on the side of the road selling melons. And, uh, and so they, you would stop and, and obviously they wouldn't speak sort of English, but there would be a sense of knowing where we wanted to go. We actually, there was this particular bay that we were looking for. It was a turtle bay where the turtles come and lay their eggs. It was a very special place. You have to drive down a long road and they had Roman ruins on the way to it. It was a very beautiful place, but the first time it was difficult to find. And so we're driving through this town. Here's an old lady with melons. And the only thing we understood in Turkish was kilometers. And, the, and, and how many kilometers was was determined by how many fingers they stuck up at you. And, and I think that's what they were saying anyway. And, and then left and right was determined by how they waved their arm. And uh, so I would, I would jump back in the car and I'd say to Cheryl, seven kilometres down the road, I think we turn right. <laughs> and uh, so we'd drive down the road, but at what point you turn right? And so, so we'll do this so many times, stop and start, stop and start. Until eventually you get to your destination. But when you do get your, we got to our destination, it was valued all the more for the amount of effort put in for the searching that we had done to find it. You know, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. See, God conceals the mysteries that we are to find. They're not easily seen. But we have to find them. Why does he hide them? Because that which you find is valued more than that which is easily given. You place value on what you find. Here's the thing. At Easter, 
you hide Easter eggs from your children. But they're not meant to be hidden, they're meant to be found. The whole point of an Easter egg is to be eaten. But before they're given, they're hidden. And when they're found, the children value them. These are mine, I found them. And so there is a sense of ownership. And so the glory of God is found in his desire to hide things from us that he wants us to find. In other words, there is a process in place that, that God is deliberately hiding things. And there is a, you know, for a two-year-old, you hide things like behind the cushion. Um, they only have to move it slightly. The, the, the younger they are, the, it's left in the middle of the floor. It's like, it, it's like, can you fight? I just don't know where it is. And so when we first come to the Lord, we, we, we learn very simply the process of finding God. But as you grow in, in him, the mysteries have to be worked out all the more because he wants you to grow and mature and knowing the value of the things for which you have searched for. His kingdom is too precious to just throw out. The things of the kingdom are too precious to just be freely thrown out. Now all things are freely given. They're freely given. You just got to find them. They're they're given to those who look for them, not to those who just want them. And this morning, I want to speak on understanding that how to find the things that God has given to us. See, see, in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I reckon probably 50% of this room minimum can quote that verse to me verbatim without any Extra, you've hidden it off the screen, haven't you? Yeah, You can put it on the screen, it's fine, because we're not going to ask them to say. So here, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What an amazing verse. We claim that, don't we claim that verse? Here's the problem with the verse we're claiming. We claim it without reading verses 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13 and you will seek me and find me when wow. you search for me with all your heart. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. The plans that he has planned for us have been hidden from us. To be found when you search for him with all your heart. See, our prayer life is a prayer life of searching for the things of God to be revealed in our life. We want to be blessed, but the blessing just is not coming as you just sit there and go, well, just feed me more. Like some fat baby who's screaming because you're not putting enough food in its mouth. You know? It's just like, have you? I mean, some, some babies are into sort of like, just feed me, aren't they? And uh, when, you, when you get babies that are like that, they're just like, feed me, like, 
like this. And I go red. I remember having a, a uh, I can't say nephew or niece because then I, there is a family member. I remember this particular child. They would just go like purple because you weren't feeding them fast <laughs> enough. And it would be like, for goodness sake, how much are you going to, he's savage. I'd take my whole arm off trying to. <laughs> and, and it's amazing how we become like this, like just feed me. But here's the deal. God, in the end, God just goes, you know what? There is food for you. I've got an amazing meal for you. I'm just not going to tell you where it is. You're going to have to find it. What? You're going to have to go and look for it? Yeah, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. You see, your authority, your royalty, your, your stamp of authority on the kingdom of God is determined... By how you look for things. See, it's determined by your response in in how you face the circumstances in front of you. Uh, Will you just go, Lord, I just need you to give this to me? Or will you ask the questions, how, where, when? How do I find God moving in my life? To pray is to search the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to go through this morning three things, because we did three things last week. So we're going to do three things again. All right. And we're going to go from Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. And I'm going to read this to you. It's perhaps one of the most well-known scriptures of the New Testament. Matthew 7 verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be Open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. Therefore whatever you want men to do to you do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. I wish I could spend more time on verse 12 because there's a lot of relevance to that. But I'm going to look this morning and we're going to speak about how God is going to give to you the things that you ask for. But the things you're asking for you have to understand we're asking for his presence in our life for we know the bible says seek first the kingdom of god and all these things shall be added unto you so we're going to look on how to break through and the first point is this here is ask for the impossible ask for the impossible see the asking it's not when you have a child uh you teach your child to say please it's one of the first things you teach your children when, when they want something, when they're learning to get shape of words in their mouth, when they, they're trying to sort of say they want something, they want now, they, go, they generally were now mine. Everything's mine, isn't it? And now are mine. What do we say? Say please. And when they refuse, they don't get it. That's the nature of parenting. I'm sorry. You can have a little tantrum on the floor. But you're not having it until you say please. Eventually, the pride in their heart, that, that rebellion, that human nature, it breaks down. They go, please. Like that. And go, but of course you can have it. <laughs> and there is that. There is but you see, that is the asking. That's the simple asking. But 
But what we tend to do is we, we're asking for human things to what is actually a spiritual need. See, we look at our life from a human perspective, but really it is a spiritual perspective that determines the quality of how you live. Turn with me, will you? John's Gospel, chapter 4. I want you to see this. John's Gospel, chapter 4. Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And Jesus says in, in John 4, verse 10, he says this. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, Sir, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? See, Jesus is saying to her, look, this is all the wrong way around. You want water, but you should be asking for living water. You want prosperity, but you should be asking for the king of prosperity to reign in your life. You want healing, but you should be asking for the healing king to be resident in your very being. You see, we need to be asking for the impossible, not the possible. See, you're asking God to help pay the bills. Well, well, that's possible. It's just natural process. But, But God wants you to ask for something which is far greater than your immediate need. We understand as you look around the world today that, that, that as you give money into poverty situations, it is a continual, continual, like a, you just can't fill the hole. You can't fill the void. It doesn't matter how much wealth there is in this world. If you pour it all into poverty, it still won't be enough. Mm-hmm. And so we need to learn how to ask the right question. This woman was doubting on her observation of natural things. And you know what? We often ask for less. We ask for less than what we really need. Here's the thing, right? I just heard on the news this week, Greece hasn't been in the headlines for a while. There have been a lot of other important things. But Greece and its financial situations, they have just asked for another $8 billion to bail out their financial situation. And they need that $8 billion loan that's quite a loan, isn't it? They need that eight billion to spend on paying the bills. So here's the thing: they're going to get eight billion, but we all know that the eight billion isn't enough. They're asking for eight billion, but eight billion is the eight billion is is kicking the what they call kicking the can down the road. We spend our life asking for things that will deal with the now. What Greece actually needs to ask for is an impossible thing. They need to regenerate a financially broken society to create their own wealth. They need to be liberated from the debt of poverty that has been placed upon them. The end of my politics right there. Right? Because <laughs> I could really get going at that moment. The wickedness of the financial situations that have been placed on that nation and many nations around the world that are held in poverty. Jesus moved me on. Right. (laughs) 
You see, what happens is that when you get held by a desperate situation, you never ask for enough. You end up asking for, a, for just the thing that would deal with your need. God wants you to know that it's his kingdom first. You're going to ask for the impossible, the bigger thing. You ask for the bigger thing and the small thing will be taken care of. We've got to learn to ask for the impossible. Speak out over those things. You can't afford to buy a one-bedroom flat, but ask for a mansion. Ask for a mansion, God. Walk down the road, you see a big mansion, and you go, Jesus, I see no reason why you should not give that to me. (laughs) Here's the deal, right? But as you look at it, you go, Lord, do you reign over that house? Do you reign over this house? See, the Lord gives you everything he reigns over. And if your desire for things doesn't have the Lord's reign over top of it. He cannot give it. Number two. Search for the map. Ask. Jesus said, ask. And these things will be given. Seek and you will find. Search for the map. Here's the thing with seeking, right? Seeking is often minimized again down to a a certain I want to know what's going on. Now, have you ever been in a financial crisis or a personal crisis, a marriage situation, or, or even maybe even the tragedy we've seen in, 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 uh, in London this, this weekend? Just, just the most awful, awful circumstance. I remember waking in, most, many of you probably did the same, waking in the night and I, the, my phone was um, notification of a huge fire and, and I clicked onto it and I saw the video and it was live, and, and it was, and I just, I just wept right there, knowing that the impossibility of that circumstance. Of course, what happens now is we have a situation of anger, and, and, and the answer, why did this happen? Why? It's, it's, it's a historical question looking backwards, right? Why did that happen? And these are important questions. You need to understand where you've been to make sure you don't go there again. Yeah. Yeah. All right? But it's not sufficient It's not sufficient searching. If you spend your life looking backwards, you never get a vision and an understanding of where you're going forwards. So we can learn where we've been, but we need to gain a vision of knowing where we're going. I want you to go with me uh, to uh, Song of uh, Solomon. And I haven't written the scripture down. You have, have you got, oh, Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse, verse 1. By night on my bed, this is the Shulamite woman, by night on my bed I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. I will rise now, I said, and go about the city in the streets and in the squares, and I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. The watchmen who go about the city found me, and I said, have you seen the one I love? Scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love. I held him and would not let him go until I brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. You see, what the Shulamite woman is saying is that she took a measure 
of where she had been and where she was going. You have to gain a measure of the circumstances of your life and your heart in finding God. Now, I need you to to try and grab a hold of this as I'm, I'm speaking to you. You see, if you spend your life reacting to the circumstances that are going on around you, the more you do that, the less you feel his presence in your heart and life. It's true, isn't it? The more you find, the more you react, the less his presence is found. Why is that? Because you're no longer measuring what is going on. You're losing sight of the map that is being built around you. You're losing sight of those things and then you're losing sight of how God will lead you. Have you ever seen one of those vacuum cleaners? We've got one in the box. We don't use it. Um, it sort of, it's one of those robot ones. Have you, got those, have you ever seen those robots? Who's got one of those robot vacuum cleaners? They, they just, in the middle of the night, they just up and they go off and they vacuum your, your lounge or your kitchen and they map the entire the house. Wherever they can go, they map it. They're, it sounds quite... I mean, you can just buy them in Argos. They're not like... But they, they, the vacuum bag is about that big, right? So it has to do it all the time and it goes off. And when it's finished, it just takes itself back and it goes back to sleep and it goes in its little bed and it, uh, and it recharges itself and away it goes again. And you can get them to do your lawn. You can get lawnmower ones and, and they're genius. And what they do is they, they go off and, and as they go off, they don't really know. They haven't got eyes. They don't really know where they're going. They just go in a straight line and bump into something. Right? And then they remember, ah, oh, I bumped into something there. They back off, they bump into something else. Ah, oh, there's something else. And what they're doing is they're mapping their life by the circumstances. They're taking a measure. They're not just responding, reacting. They're going, oh, I didn't know that was there. I remember that. They're taking a measure of everything that's going on around them. The Shulamite woman went out on the streets and asked everyone, have you seen the one I love? I couldn't find him, she said. What she was saying is, I've been down this street. I've been down that street. I've been down here. I've been down there. I remember looking for him in those places and not finding him. And I asked and they didn't know where he was. So I continued searching. And as I searched, I went down a place. Because I knew where I had been, I knew where I needed to go. I had measured it. And then I found him. You see, you need to measure where your life has been. And take a note of where you couldn't find the presence of God. Take a measure of it and know that you won't go down that road again. Because he wasn't there. You search him out. You make a note in your life. You take a measure of your life. You understand. You see, it says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, it says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, it's about the searching. It's about going down the streets. I, there have been many moments in my life as a pastor, people come and they, they look at me and they just think, Kev, you, you know, just, just preach such revelation. I need you to understand how difficult it is to find this revelation that I'm preaching to you. <laughs> it's not just like, it doesn't, I just need to grow in the garden, right? It, it, it's like, I ha- and there have been many moments like, God, where did you go? 
You were there. You were there last week. This week, I can't see you. Where are you? Where did I find him? Where did I find him last? I make a note of that. Where's he leading me to? Because he's moved on. He wants me to move on. I need to find him again. You see, you need something else to understand. You found the presence of God once and then you lost him and you're not sure, kind of sure what happened. God moved on so that you would follow. The shepherd moves his flock from meadow to meadow as the grass is eaten. He moves us on. Your life changes. But when you keep your head in the grass, ignoring the fact that things are changing, you look up and you go, where did everyone go? I was just munching on the grass. You look up, they're all gone. Ever seen a sheep in the field all on their own? You look up and they always look slightly puzzled. They were there a minute ago. I don't know where they went. See, when the shepherd moves on, we need to learn how to... Well, where did he go? I need to find him again. You start taking... You must have a measure of the issues around your life and know where you lost him. Make a note of those things. Know where you have found him. Make a note of those things and use them to calibrate the center of your life that you may be able to walk on and find him again. Search him out. Search for the map. And the last point is that it says in, in Matthew, it says in Matthew, knock and the door will be opened up to you. Point number three, knock like a boss. (laughs) Knock like a boss. Have you ever been up to a large mansion house and had to knock on the door? It's pretty intimidating, isn't it? You go up to a big house. It's actually, people's house doors. I mean, it's one thing walking up a street, but a random street walking up and knocking on the door is of itself a little intimidating, isn't it? Have you ever done that door knocking? Have you ever, like, I, I've, I've tried to sell stuff. I remember doing... Is it clean easy? I remember selling clean easy once to raise money for the church. It was it was a rubbish idea, right? I don't know. Talk me into it, but it didn't make any money. I made like fifty quid out of like three months of like banging on doors. Who want to buy any clean easy plastic Tupperware rubbish stuff cleaning agent? Yeah. And it was terrible. I remember doing it. But anyway, we raised about fifty quid, and everyone thought we were doing some wonderful things. So. So remember, you're knocking on the door and you've no idea. But sometimes, you know, you've got to learn to walk and knock on the door like a boss and go, this is my place. Knock and the door will be opened up to you. I remember as a, as a, um, uh, look at my watch. (laughs) It is fire time, I can tell you that. Time to light a fire. (laughs) I replaced my watch for this fire lighting bracelet, and now I don't know the time. Anyway, so here it's on here somewhere. Wow, I am so late. Anyway, I think we were knocking. I was knocking on this uh, this door of this huge mansion, this house, and and this house we had to deliver like four grand's worth of furniture into this house, and we get there, and and the the only people home is the nanny and the seven year old child. So we come in and we're delivering the furniture and we put it all in and then I get out the invoice. So we've got to collect four grand. Oh, there's no one here. We don't, we don't know what's going on. And so in, what they were trying to do is, is get us to go, it's all right, we'll come back. It's my furniture. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. 
I'm not going anywhere till I get my money. And no, I need £4,000, please. And so this little girl, she goes, I know where the money is. <laughs> and she runs into the kitchen. She opens the kitchen drawer and there are wads of cash in £10,000 piles. Several of them. I know... <laughs> I can take you there. I... <laughs> <laughs> Though now they now know that I know where the money is, they probably moved it. But she opens the drawer, she grabs a wadge of ten grand, and she gives it to me and goes, Here you go. <laughs> to which point the father, who wasn't there, suddenly appears. <laughs> and I'm standing there with ten grand in my hand going. <laughs> and he takes it off me. He goes, Oh, sorry, I, I was delayed. Hands out the four thousand. You've got to understand, you've got to stand like a boss and take the things which, which God has given you. See, see, God has given you the things for which he has promised. But for the door to be open, you've got to knock like someone who owns the door. You've got to knock like someone who owns the land. Jesus said where you... Where, the father said... It wasn't Jesus, trust me. The, the, the Lord prophesied over Joshua and said, wherever you feet... You tread. That, I will, that is the land that I will give to you. You've got to knock like a boss and start saying, God, will you give me this land? Amen? Yeah. So we've got to have to ask for the impossible. We've got to search the map and map out our life. And we've got to knock like a boss. Let's stand up, shall we? Church, if I can encourage you to do one thing over this season, it's to seek the presence of God. Search for him in your life. Search for him in every essence of your life. Let his presence invade every aspect. You must understand this. What you feel convinced to do on a Sunday must be translated into action on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's got to be every day of your life. You've got to turn it into an action for it to become. The very thing that you felt God calling you to do. But here's the thing. He's not going to give it to you. He's going to inspire you to find it. You're sitting here and going, Oh God, your presence, your miracle, your power. I'm believing for those things. And he's going, yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's the chocolate egg that you're seeing. You, but, but I've just hidden it in the garden. You've got to go and find it the glory of God to conceal it. It's the glory of kings to search them out. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.